Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. You know, a lot of times we segment everything that happens in church. And we put it in, in a category. But I just love to see God when he brings all of it together and just meshes it all together. And everything has got a message that God is speaking to people. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 15, again this morning. And just hold your finger there, and then I want you to go to Matthew chapter 22. I started out of my office this morning, and Holy Spirit stopped me and and reminded me of this story in Matthew 22. And and I'm going to do my best today to tie some things together in it. While you're turning there, I do want to say this morning how much I appreciate this church. I appreciate your heart. I appreciate your love for the Lord and your love for people. I don't know if you're aware of it, but yesterday we had a team that went out from here, homeless ministry team headed up by um, Coley and, and Austin and Sister Sherry. And uh, how many guys, how many went with y'all yesterday? How many of it? 16? Yeah. If you went out with the, the homeless ministry yesterday, raise your hand. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Awesome. Tyson back there raising it. I was looking at pictures last night, and I saw I saw you guys ministering to the homeless. And and today's Tyson's birthday. You know, if if hold hold up just a minute. If 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 today had been my birthday, I probably would have said I want to go out somewhere Saturday, and I want my wife to take me somewhere to eat Saturday. Amen. Yeah, I think like that sometimes. But I thought about Tyson out handing food to the homeless yesterday. I think a hundred, about 150 people that you guys served yesterday, isn't that right? Somewhere along in that, about 150 homeless people were ministered to yesterday by that team that went out. I think that deserves a hand. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Happy birthday, Tyson. I don't know where I came up with that, but, you know, anyway. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 15, and and we'll read that, and and I'll let you sit down. Also want to remind you that Holy Spirit reminded me this week of the of the 
the burdens that he's been giving me to preach, the areas that he's been directing me in to preach. And he brought it to me this week that, that what we're doing with the weddings, the marriage ceremonies that are coming up, today's the deadline on that. So if you are a husband and wife or if you are a not yet husband and wife, Maybe you're living together or whatever, and you've not been married. We're not condemning anybody. But the Lord has dealt with us about marriage. And so we're, we're putting together probably one of the biggest wedding ceremonies that has ever been in this area. I think I've already got about six or eight couples that have voiced their desire to either be married or renew their vows or, or something like that. So today is the deadline on that. Ladies, if you're wanting to get married and don't have a man, run out and find you one real fast. No, don't do that. Uh, but, but we are, we're going to, the Lord's just dealt with me, and, and we're going to bring it in here. Maybe you want to renew your vows. Maybe you wasn't married in a church, and you want to you want to do it in the church. So, and you want to renew your vows. Then that's that's what we're, we're going to do that. So, if you want to get signed up for that, do that, and we'll set we're setting a date on that. Uh, for um, but the Lord's reminded me. He said, son, don't you know that I'm getting my bride ready? He said, don't you realize that what's happening in the body of Christ is I'm getting my bride ready? He said, she's already being adorned for the wedding day. So think about that. Luke 15, chapter 21, or verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. Thank you, Father, for your word. Now, Lord, let it go forth with power in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 You can take your seat. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, well, Leroy, didn't he preach on that last Sunday? Yes, I did. Last Sunday we talked about, and by the way, last Sunday wasn't something planned. It was something that Holy Spirit breathed and said, this is where I want you to go right now. So I believe that my assignment or whatever you want to call it today is to, to follow the leading of Holy Spirit. But last Sunday we talked about this prodigal son that had walked away from the father's house, that had left the blessings and the abundance and the provision of his father's house 
got his inheritance and went out and began to do his own thing, to live his own life. The result of that was that he spent everything that he had. He lost everything that his father had ever given him. And he wound up in a place called the hog pen. And he wound up just eating whatever was left over from what the swine didn't eat. That's what this young man left. And it's a picture of the, of the depths and the depravity of sin. It's a picture of, of the depths that sin will take you to. And it's a picture of, of the, the horror of sin that this young man went to and, and what he was experiencing. And we talked about how that, that he came to himself. He remembered something from the father's house. Having been there, he remembered the blessing of his father's house and the provision of his father's house. And so uh, he went back to the father's house but the main thing that we focused on last Sunday was the fact that he looked at his dad and he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you and I am no more worthy to be called your son. And so we talked about the fact that there are many that are living their lives and they're struggling because you don't feel that you're worthy of the blessing of the Father. You don't feel that you are worthy of ever being able to get back to a place of being blessed by the Father. And so we talked about this deal about worthiness and being worthy of the blessing of the, God, of the Father. And we talked about that how the Son got there uh, and was standing before his Father and he was giving him this spiel, a big explanation of all that he had done. And he was voicing this to the Father. And, and we talked about how that, that even in the middle of his trying to explain to his daddy about all of his failures and his mess-ups and him not being worthy, that the Father was really not even paying any attention to what the Son was saying. But the Father turned around to a servant and said, Hey, go get me the best robe and bring me a ring and some shoes so that I can put the robe on my son and the ring on his finger and the shoes on his feet. And so we talked about how that the father restored the son. And the, listen, can I tell you something this morning? The father is not nearly as concerned about your mess-ups and your yesterdays and who you were with yesterday and what you did yesterday as he is about the fact of you coming simply back to the house. So as I, I, I thought about that and, and this week God has just continued to deal with me on something that I believe is of extreme, extreme and utmost importance. And I want to talk to you this morning about the fact of the robe that the father brought out and put on the son. And I want you to recognize 
the wording of that scripture because I believe that the robe, and I'm going to give you uh, uh, a definition of it, but I believe that the robe is a picture of righteousness. I believe that the robe is a picture of us being in a right place with God, in a right standing with God. But I want you to notice one thing about that is that the Father put the robe on the Son. The Son didn't put the robe on Himself. As a matter of fact, the Son didn't even ask for the robe. The Father asked for the robe. And why would he ask for the robe to be put on his son? Because the son was filthy and dirty from the world and filthy and dirty from the past that he had been in. And the father couldn't look at him with all the dirt and the filth on him. And so he put a robe on him that would, that would represent a restoration of authority. Listen, this is what the Lord spoke to me earlier. And he said, the Father gave it, talking about the robe. We must wear it. And here's the thing. I want you to notice something here. That the Son, and I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to break up or fixing to challenge some of your religious ideas. The Son was in the Father's house to start with. Otherwise, he would have never said, Lord, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. He had to be called a son before. But while he was in the Father's house, I'm going to just go ahead and use some of that old-fashioned Pentecostal Holy Ghost camp meeting vernacular. While he was in the Father's house, he backslid. In other words, it was while he was in the Father's house that this thought and this idea came to him that I can do better out of the Father's house. It was while he was in the Father's house that these ideas began to come to him. I can operate outside and out from under the Father's covering and still be okay. Can you? Do I need to come down here? So, Because I want you to understand what I'm saying. And I know there are a lot of different ideas and a lot of different opinions on this story, but I want you to get this and I want you to understand it. He left his father's house, which is an indication that he was a son in his father's house before he wound up in the hog pen. Are you understanding what I'm saying? He was a son in the father's house, entitled to all the blessings of the father's house before he wound up in the hog pen. I know it's quiet. Ryan, I'm going to give you a couple of dollars and just every once in a while just say, amen, Pastor. That's, re that's really good. That's really good. All right. All right. But I want you to get that. I want you to understand. 
He was in the Father's house. But he began to entertain some thoughts and some mindsets and some heart issues that caused him to begin to realize or begin to think, I can do better out from under the Father's house. I can take what I've been given and I can go out and begin to do it on my own and I'll be fine. Listen, can I tell you something this morning? I believe that what God is speaking and is going to speak through this message this morning is that there are people that are sitting in the house of God and you're sitting in the Father's house and you have the blessing of the Father. But there have been things that have been attacking your mind, things that have been warring against your spirit, things that have been talking to you and speaking into your ear that, oh, you don't need to do it like that. It don't take all of that. It don't take all this praying. It don't take all this worship. It don't take all this emotional stuff. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to spend no time praying. Just go to church. Raise your hand and look like you're, you're looking good. Smile real big and all of that and everything will be fine. But friend, can I tell you something this morning? What the enemy has done in many lives today is he has injected things into your mind and got you to thinking something in your mind but you don't realize that what's going on up here in your mind is seeping down to your heart and so what happens is that it comes down to a place that it's not a mind issue it is a heart issue see this son didn't have a mind problem he had a heart problem so anyway he leaves and he goes out of the Father's house. And I believe this morning that what God is saying, and I'm going to just go ahead and preach this, okay? I believe that what the Father is saying this morning is this, that I'm knocking on the doors of your heart, and I'm asking you to ask yourself, I'm asking you and I'm prompting you to look at your heart and ask yourself, am I that son that's in daddy's house, but yet I'm not in daddy's house? Am I that child that's in the father's house, but yet I'm not living under the blessing of the father? Thus the reason that the first thing that the father did when the son came back. He didn't say, I forgive you. He didn't say, I love you. All he did was fell on his neck with compassion and kissed him. And the next thing you see is that he says, go get the best robe and bring it and put it on my son, the best robe. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And so I looked at this word robe, and I was expecting it to be something totally different than what I discovered. But when I looked up this word robe, 
it is defined like this in strongest concordance as an equipment. An equipment. It is an equipment in clothes. It is a looser or a loose outer garment for men that extended to the feet. It was normally worn by kings and priests and people of rank. But I want you to notice the fact, and you can go look it up, the fact that the robe was equipment. It was equipment. So what does it deal with this word robe as it means equipment? It lets me know that there was something about that robe that when the father put it on the back of his son, it was something to be used Something to be worked with and something that could be used to let others know his rank and his position. The fact is that the son left the father's house lets me know that there was a time that he was wearing a robe, but he disrobed in order to do what he wanted to do. But when he came back to the father's house, the first thing that daddy did is said, I want to put this robe back on you because you have lost your identity. You have lost your ability to know who you are. You have lost the equipment that I've given you in order to be effective and be successful in the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you something. Listen, Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And when they sinned in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that God, God, not Adam and not Eve, but God slew an animal and he brought the skins of the animal and he, gar- he put it on them. The Bible says it was a garment that God put on Adam and Eve. Why? Because God said, you have sinned, but I am going to take the blood and the skin of an animal and cover what you did. It was a garment. The the Aaronic priesthood that was started in the book of Exodus. God never allowed Aaron, the high priest, to walk into the holy place wearing his street clothes. Come on, listen. Aaron never went into the holy of holies or the holy place wearing his blue jeans. I'm not, nothing wrong with your blue jeans, all right? Pastor wears them all the time. I wear them to preach in and all that. So, so don't get all holy and sanctified on me on that. So, but, but what I'm saying is that, that Aaron never went in to do his priestly duties wearing his street clothes. And, and God was so, uh, so uh, adamant on that that he commanded Moses and, and, and Bozalel and those that, that established the tabernacle furnishings he say, I want you to prepare a garment. I want, I want you to prepare a garment.
Everybody else can wear what they want to. You can get your designer clothes. You can get all that. But God said, I want my priest. I want the one that comes into my presence. I want them to have on a garment that stands out and sticks out from everybody else. It was a garment that was worthy of the anointing of God. I'm going to move on from there. It was, it was referred to as the priestly garments. Amen? Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, Isaiah said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt itself in my God. Listen to this. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and a bride adorns herself with jewels. Listen, can I tell you something this morning? There are things that God has prepared for you and I. And there, there, there are precepts and principles in God's word that, that just brushing over it we miss. But I'm here today to tell you, friend, that I believe this morning that God is saying there are those today that are in the house of God. And God said, I want to put a robe on you. I want to give you something that you've not. I want to clothe you. God kept speaking to me this morning. He said about the question, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? Can I tell you something about this robe? In Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15, God said, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. Blessed is the one who stays awake. That lets me know that there's going to be some that have gone to sleep. Keeping his garments on that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Now you probably thought I'd done forgot about Matthew chapter 22, didn't you? But I'm just going to cover it real briefly. Matthew 22 is a, is a, there's a story there of a wedding feast. And it was it was a great wedding feast that that uh that had been established and <clears throat> And Jesus said, they went out and invite everybody, invite uh, people to come to this wedding feast. And the ones that they invited to come didn't come. They had different things going on. The Bible says that the bridegroom was angry. He looked at his servants and said, go out into the highways and the byways and the side streets and invite them to come to this wedding feast because it's been prepared. To make a long story short, the story goes that 
all the guests got in. And they came in. And the man that was over the feast looked back and there was one guest there. And the Bible specifically says that this one guest was not wearing his wedding garments. The one over the feast came to him and said, Friend, where's your wedding garment? To make a long story short, he said, I don't have one. And he was kicked out of the wedding feast, the wedding celebration. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is that there's a garment, ladies and gentlemen, that God has given to the body of Christ, and there's a robe that God wants to put on you. But I'm afraid that there are people this morning that you've been going through the motions. You've been doing all the religious things. And maybe you've got your name on the roll of a book somewhere. Maybe you've got a so-called letter somewhere. And you think that everything's all right. But the fact is that you've been doing it on your own and you've been living your own life as you want to live it. And you've not been walking in the righteousness that God has called us to. Can I tell you something? I know this is hard this morning. And I might make some of you angry at me. If I do, you can email me or whatever you want to do. But I want to tell you something this morning. God has been pouring out revival in this house. And God has been moving in a powerful way. And the anointing of God has been changing lives. And, and God has been speaking over and over and over again. And I believe that one of the things that God is saying is that I am preparing my bride. I am getting a bride ready because I am coming soon. Listen, you can bury your head in the sand and refuse to see the things that are going on in our world if you want. But ladies and gentlemen, the fact is that Jesus is coming soon. The fact is that the body of Christ is getting prepared today uh, for the coming of Jesus. And what my assignment is this morning is to talk to you and reason with you and ask you the question, are you doing it on your own? Are you, are you walking in the righteousness that God has called you to? With the understanding that the son was in the house, and he walked out of the house and wound up in the hog pen. Revelation chapter 3 and verses 17 and 18. God speaking to the church of Laodicea, that lukewarm church. That one that, that Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He said, I wish you were either cold or hot. But Jesus speaking to that, that church, he said, for you say... I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. And realize, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, I wonder if perhaps there's a possibility that this young man in Luke chapter 15 said that to himself prior to leaving his daddy's house. 
And I know I'm not preaching to everybody this morning, but I believe that I'm preaching to somebody. And it's that somebody that God has shut everything down and said, I want you to deliver this word today because if it's just one person, then, friend, I want you to know that you are precious in the eyes of God. And God said, I'll shut the whole thing down. I'll shut it. I'll stop all of it because there's one there that I want to reach out and there's one there that I want to touch, God said. But I wonder if that young man said to himself, I'm rich. I prospered. I don't need anything. The sad thing is that once that's said, we don't realize the last part of that sentence about the wretchedness and the pitifulness and poorness and blindness and nakedness until... It's too late. But he said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Notice what Jesus said to the church of Laodicea. He said, this is what I encourage you to do. Buy gold. Buy buy me gold tried in the fire that you can be rich and white raiment that you can clothe yourself that the shame of your nakedness doesn't appear. It's the garment. There's a garment, ladies and gentlemen. It's not enough to come into the house and have an encounter with the Father. There is something that he puts on us. And it is that righteousness that only comes from him. It is not anything that I can make on my own. It is not anything that I can build up, pump up or whatever, but it is a righteousness that God gives to us when we come into his kingdom and we give ourselves to him. But can I tell you something this morning? You must not only wear it, but you must walk in it. You must live in it. And the problem is this, that we, we don't realize many times that we can walk but not walk in that righteousness. God gave it to me, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm walking in it. God gave me the robe, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm walking under the righteousness that God has given me. I can walk out from under that, and it will still be there. The righteousness of God and the blessing of God will still be there, but that doesn't mean that I'm living my life as one that is clothed with a righteousness of God. Let me tell you something about the robe. The robe represents the authority that when you stand before God, it is that authority. But more than that, when you stand before hell, it is the authority of God that you're wearing on your back that the devil recognizes there's something about you that I can't I can't get through that righteousness.
Y'all ain't getting it, but I'm going to give you one more example, and I'm going to give you one more opportunity to get it. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me, please, to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah. That's in the Old Testament. While you're turning to Zechariah, I just want to give you a little, little bit of, of uh, history on the book of Zechariah. Most of us read the book of Isaiah, and we think, man, the book of Isaiah is the most filled book with prophecies concerning the Messiah in the Old Testament. But the reality is that the book of Zechariah has more messianic prophecies than the book of Isaiah. God used the prophet Isaiah to prophesy concerning the coming of Jesus more than any other Old Testament prophet. And all of those prophecies have been fulfilled. And so, Zechariah was a prophet during the time that the people of Israel were coming back and they were rebuilding the temple. And it had hit some obstacles. They were having some struggles that start a while and stop a while. The enemy was opposing them on every hand to stop the rebuilding of the temple. And so God raised Zechariah up, and Zechariah began to prophesy. Listen, that's the importance of having the gift of prophecy in the body of Christ. It's because that gift of prophecy will restart things that have been bogged down. So God raised Zechariah up, and Zechariah began to prophesy. But there was another man whose name was Joshua, not the Joshua that led the children of Israel out of Egypt, but another Joshua that God raised him up and sent him back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. But Joshua was struggling. He was battling against powers and principalities and, and works of darkness. But God began to show Zechariah a vision. Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. This is Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 1. Let me... Let me let me give you this again. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. If you study that just a little bit, you'll see where, where the angel of the Lord was the pre-incarnate Jesus. <clears throat> so I want you to get this picture. This vision that Zechariah had. Joshua, the high priest, the one that God had raised up and said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to rebuild my house. I want you to rebuild my temple. 
And so Zechariah had this vision that Joshua was standing there before the angel of the Lord or standing before Jesus and Satan was standing at his right hand to resist him. Get this. Come here, guys. I need, I need some illustration. Three of you, come here. Y'all leave, leave that scripture on the, on the board, please. Here's Joshua. Here's the devil. All right, now, now picture this. He showed me Joshua the high priest standing before Jesus. Standing before Jesus are the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand. Now there are those that think that Satan was actually standing at the right hand of Jesus. And then there are others that say, no, he was standing at the right hand of Joshua. I don't think it really matters, but I'm going to say he was standing at the right hand of Joshua. And what Satan was doing was opposing what God had called Joshua to do. Get this. The enemy was opposing what God had called Joshua to do. The Bible says he was standing there to resist what God was wanting to do through Joshua. All right, so don't get, don't get caught up in the right and the, le and the left here because I done got myself confused on all that, all right? So, so don't, don't worry about all that. Just, just listen to what I'm saying. The fact is that Jesus was standing there and Satan was standing there. What in the world is the devil doing standing at the throne of God? Don't forget that the Bible says that that it was Satan that came before the throne with Job and accused him. But here it is. He was standing there to oppose and resist what Joshua had been called to do. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this, is not this a brand 
that has been plucked out of the fire. <laughs> We're going to get it. So I want, I want you to get this. Joshua represented the nation of Israel. That because of their sin and because of their backsliding, God had allowed them to go into captivity in Babylon. So Joshua, as the high priest, is standing there representing the nation of Israel. The devil standing there is opposing Joshua because he knows what Joshua is representing. Do you realize this morning that the battles that you've been fighting are bigger than you are? Do you realize this morning that the reason that some of you are walking through the fires of hell is not necessarily all about you, but it is about somebody that's in your family? Maybe it's about your children or your sons and daughters. But listen, the Lord, the Lord rebuked. Joshua didn't have to stand and I bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus. Joshua, Joshua didn't have to stand there and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Listen, there comes a place in your life when God says, my purpose for you is so great. I'm going to step in for you and I'm going to fight this battle for you. And you don't have to open your mouth. All you got to do is just believe in who I am and recognize that I am the authority in your life. And Joshua's standing there. Nothing he could do, but God stepped in and looked at the devil and said, the Lord rebuke you. All right. Now, now listen. Here's the thing. This is a brand plucked out of the fire. I believe that what God was saying was this. This is one that was destined for destruction. This is one that had messed up. This is one that had, had goofed his life up. This is one that had walked out from under the blessing of the Father's house. This is one that even though he was still a Jew, he had walked out from under the anointing of the Father. This is one that the fire uh, was trying to burn, but God said, I plucked him out of the fire. I, I pulled him out of that place of destruction and I set him here today and the enemy wanted to destroy and the enemy wanted to stop and defile and hinder what I'm doing in his life. But the Lord said, I rebuke you, Satan, because my purpose and my plan for him is greater. Now listen. Joshua was covered with sin. He was standing, oh my goodness. He was standing before the Lord with filthy garments on. Notice verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. And stood before the angel. 
And he answered, verse 4, he answered and spoke unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. By the way, in the New Testament, these things called garments are a big deal. Because the book of Revelation talks about people being clothed in garments of white, meaning righteousness, meaning right standing with God. Here's the thing, guys, that I want you to understand today is that Joshua had been called and ordained and given a purpose from God to do something for God. But Joshua was being opposed by the pits of hell. Joshua might have been trying and struggling and battling to make something happen on his own, but he was hitting a brick wall every time he turned around. Everything that he tried to build up, the devil tore it down. Every time he tried to make something happen, the devil was there to oppose him. And every time he thought that I'm going to get ahead a little bit, the devil was there to oppose him. And listen, the effectiveness of the enemy opposing your life is based all on what kind of garment you are wearing. Because as long as Joshua had on filthy garments, the devil devil had access to step into his life and hinder and oppose and stop what God was doing. But the moment that God said, I want you to take those filthy garments off and put a cloth, a garment on him that is clean. Listen, the, de- the next time you see the devil, he's not around the throne of grace. Because if you look in your Bible, John the Revelator said, I had this vision. I had this vision. And I saw this throne. And he, and he described the beauty of the throne that he saw. And he said, but in the midst of the throne, there stood a lamb. Can I tell you something this morning? The enemy no longer has the ability to go before the throne of grace. Jesus is now our advocate that's seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. And he is interceding for us. So you know what's wrong with this picture today? Is this one is standing here. So we're going to send him back to his seat. So now, you know what's, what's right with this picture is that this one is standing there beside you. And he's saying, 
This one I died for, Father. This one I died for. This one, my blood was shed for this one. This, Listen, the enemy wants to stop him, Daddy, but I shed my blood for him. The enemy's tried to discourage him, but I shed my blood for him. He said, Daddy, don't you realize that, I, that this one has great value in your kingdom and the enemy wants to shut him down. But, Father, remember that I shed the blood, the righteous blood of your son was shed so that he could wear that robe of righteousness. Thank you, guys. So here's the thing. Sister Sandy, you guys go ahead and come. I'm fixing to close. Listen, the book of Proverbs, chapter 30 and verse 12 says this. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. I believe this morning that I know it's been different, and I know this message has been kind of, kind of hard. But perhaps today you're sitting there and you're saying, I'm not a bad person. I don't hate anybody. I'm not a bad person. I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't cheat. I don't drink. I don't smoke. And I don't hang out with folks that do. And all of that. I'm not a bad person. Remember what we talked about in the past few weeks? Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. Jesus came to make dead men live. Here's the thing. Good is not good enough. My good is not good enough when it comes to him. I will never be able to work enough to become worthy to be called a son. I will never be able. doesn't matter who my daddy was. It doesn't matter what church I go to. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what color my skin is. Doesn't matter how much money I have in the bank. I'll never be able to be good enough to merit the blessings of the Father. That's the reason the book of Proverbs says there are those who are clean in their own eyes but they've not been washed of their filth. See, the book of Isaiah said that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So I want to ask you this morning, go ahead and, and begin to play, guys. I want to ask you this morning that perhaps you're saying, Pastor, I... I even, I even pay my tithes. I've never cheated on my wife or I've never cheated on my husband. Son, you're still not good enough, sir. You're still not good enough, ma'am. Because if there had been an opportunity for us to be good enough to merit the blessing of the Father, Jesus would never have come.
and died on the cross for us. But he came and he died on the cross. He shed his blood for us because we could never be good enough. There had to be a sacrifice of the blood. So I want to ask you this morning, If today you're wearing those dirty garments and you say, Pastor, I want my life to be right with God and I want to begin to live under the righteousness that God's called me to. I don't want to be guilty of living in the Father's house but not under His blessing. So if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand with us all over the building. And as they sing this morning, this altar is open. Maybe you're a prodigal son that has drifted away from the Father and God is saying, I'm calling you back today. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe, you, maybe you've backslidden on God and you know this morning that your life is not right with God and you need to come home. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to recommit your life to Him. Whatever you need to do this morning, don't miss this opportunity to say, Jesus, I want things right in my life.